0: Bienvenuti. Bienvenidos. Salam alaikum. Hola a todos. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope you had a great first start of the week. Yay! Aren't you happy? It's over. Tomorrow's gonna be Tuesday. I can't wait till Tuesday. I'll tell you why later. Good evening. Good evening. I'm so happy you're here. I'm so happy you're here. You missed a couple of lives last couple times. We had some great sessions and i'm looking forward to tonight tonight is going to be a time to talk about fatherhood i'm going to i selected a couple of poems that talks about fatherhood and i think it's important for us to be reminded the importance of being fathers obviously most of my followers here are of course you ladies i'm always honored that you're here but as you know those of you who have been following me for a while My mission here is to reach men, especially good men, so that we can educate and I can allow them to be familiar with some great poems. That way, whenever they are on their next date, perhaps maybe it's one of you, they can talk about poetry with you, right? Something that can be very stimulating, can also be something that is going to be very, very shall we say, uh, neutral in terms of like topics that are talked about, (laughs) but anyway, thank you so much. I'm so happy that you're here. So that's why I want to talk about fatherhood. So I selected some poems tonight that talk about fatherhood. Some are going to be a little bit sort of neutral, some are going to be somewhat negative, but then there's going to be a lot that are going to be absolutely upholding the grandeur and the importance of fatherhood, alright? So thank you so much for being here, thank you for the follows, thank you for the kindness and well, uh, for just being here. I know you could be watching thousands of other types of content out there, so I appreciate you spending a few minutes here on this live. We're going to try to keep this live around an hour to an hour and a half max, and so I'll try to keep this short. But if you are new to the live, there's two things that I ask. Number one is make sure that you get some earphones, earpods, headphones, whatever it is you like to um, use. Hi from California. And um, the other thing is stick around till the end of the live because at the end, before I say goodnight, I always give some words of encouragement to you. Even if it seems, shall we say, a little superficial because I don't know you that well. As you you can ask around the other followers it's always a good time for them to, shall we say, be strengthened and uplifted, right? There's nothing but edifying words, and this is why I like poetry, because poetry can absolutely edify our hearts, our minds, and well, as you know, it can just be a time of consolation, solace perhaps, but also of joy and hope and peace, which is what I always long for at the end of every day. So. Thanks for being here once again. Yes, so let's see. Amy Hernandez. Hola. ¿Qué tal? Es mucho gusto. Uh, you write poems and books. Wow. Awesome. Did you, you want to like promote your stuff? Like, Did you want to give us the title of your book? I would love to check it out. Um, send me a message if you like and I'll be happy to check it out. Maybe sometimes with your permission, of course, I would be honored to read some of your material. So... That's exciting! I'm so, so jealous. I'm actually working on one myself, but um, it's going to take some time to get it all sorted out. So, let me see if I can fix this light real quick. Okay, there you go. <laughs> all right. All right, so thanks so much for being here, y'all. It's going to be a good time. So happy that you're here. All right. Let's see. Um, Dennis, hi from Florida. Hello, Florida. I have some family members in Florida. Of course, half of Latin America has family members in Florida. <laughs> and uh, those of you who don't know me, I'm, um, well, I'm an American now, but uh, I grew up in South America for uh, some part of my life, and also grew up in the Middle East, as well as Southeast Asia and uh, Central America as well. So lots of lots of experiences as a young lad, but very thankful that I got to live in these places. So, all right, Michelle Aquarius Portland. Is that your name? That's a fantastic name. Let's see Michelle. Look at that. Wow. Michelle Aquarius, Portland. Wait, is Portland like where you live, where you reside, or is that actually like your last name? Because I like both. Denise. Ah. Cubana. Bienvenidos. Habla español, ¿cierto? Bueno. Eh, sabe que los cubanos hablan pero super, super, eh, difícil. Me cuesta entenderlo a veces, pero, pero bueno, gracias por estar aquí. Alright, uh, we have some regulars that are here. I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you so much for being here. And we have some new people. Once again, if you're new, I just want to say, please stick around. If you're a guy, seriously, you need to stick around, man. We need some dudes in here because um, tonight I'm going to be talking about fatherhood. And even if you don't have kids... This is still applicable to you, and I pre- and I know that you'll definitely learn quite a few things about fatherhood, so I'll talk more about my personal upbringing as I talk about some of these poems, but nevertheless, thank you for being here. Y'all ready? All right, we're going to slow things down now. I hope that you are comfortable. I don't know what it is that you got into today. I don't know what it is that you're worried about or thinking about, but it's important to... Relax and remind yourself that, you know, no matter what you do or say, those things that you need to take care of, well, you'll face them when you get there. But whenever you're tired, whenever you're just overwhelmed with emotional uh, distress, perhaps, that you're not going to be able to resolve those problems if you're not well right if you're not well in your in your mind and also in your heart so hopefully once again i can encourage you guys to take some solace in some of these poems that i'll read all right all right i want to start off with a poem by a newer poet and when i say newer i mean like you know kind of like in the last like 20 30 years which is still technically newer but his name's Nick Flynn he was born in 1960 and i forget what part of the part of the state or part of the world he was he was from <laughs> but but he's been uh, writing prolifically in the poetry world some of his collections are titled my feelings asks Captain asks for a shaw of hands, which I haven't read yet. Blind Huber is a one that I definitely liked quite a bit, and um, I think one of the ones that he first worked on was called Some Ether or Ether, Some Ether. And so I de- definitely recommend Nick Flynn; he's a very talented writer for sure. So I'm going to be starting out with a poem titled. Father outside. Y'all ready? Alright, once again, get those headphones on, get those earpods on, and just sit down or lie down on your bed or on your couch. I don't know where you are, but try your best to just immerse yourself in some of these words. you all ready? Alright. We're going to start in five black river flows down the center of each page, and on either side the banks are wrapped in snow. My father is ink falling in tiny blossoms, a bottle wrapped in a paper bag. I want to believe that if I get the story right, we will rise, newly formed that I will stand over him again as he sleeps outside under the church halogen only this time I will know what to say it is night and it's snowing and starlings fill the trees above us so many it seems the leaves sings I can't see them until they rise together at some hidden signal and hold the shape of the tree for a moment before scattering. I wait for his breath to lift his blanket so I know he's alive. Letting the story settle into the shape of this city, three girls in the park begin to sing something holy, a song with a lost room inside it. As they, as their prayer book comes unglued, falls onto the bone, snaps, save him by destroying his hands. With the thaw, the river will rise and he will be forced to higher ground. No one will have to tell him. From my roof, I can see the East River. It looks blackened with oil, but it's only the light. Even now, my father is asleep somewhere. If I followed the river north, I could still reach him. Alright, so those of you who are new to the life. What we do after some readings, we offer some analysis, and when I say we, I mean mean, (laughs) I offer some analysis. And so I do refer to a lot of other scholars, and also some more philosophical points of view. Now, those of you who missed my live yesterday, I mentioned Tennyson, and if you're not familiar with Tennyson, then do a quick search of him, he is a Poet Laureate. He has some ties to the United States, but he is mainly English. But in any case, he wrote a poem called In Memoriam. And if you're not familiar with In Memoriam, that's probably one of the most epic works that has ever been published. And In Memoriam is about his Tennyson's best friend, who was actually also his brother-in-law. And his friend slash brother-in-law died somewhat young but also kind of died rather tragically. And it wasn't really all of a sudden he actually developed a pneumonia and acquired uh, some other um, illnesses. Anyway, so of course Tennyson was absolutely uh, very very saddened and also very depressed. So as a way of kind of combating all of those that that dark episode in his life. And as a way of honoring his friend, he decided to start writing some poems about him. What's interesting is that, like, what started out as one poem, so one poem, the first poem that he wrote about him, it was four stanzas. And a stanza can range anywhere from, like, four to eight lines to, you know, maybe 12 it really doesn't ra- really matter, but it's kind of like they look like verses. So if you ever like read the Bible or other sort of like holy books, then um, they have looks like little paragraphs. Anyway, so Tennyson wrote basically four stanzas and each stanza had four lines in them. And as he wrote this f- one poem about his friend, he started writing another one. Another poem that had four stanzas with four lines. And then he wrote a third one. Four stanza, four lines. And then he wrote a fifth one, sixth one, seventh one. It turns out that he wrote over over 60 to, I think it's like 80 stanzas. And I want to say it was actually more than that, honestly. But I never actually read the entire epic poem. But there is a very, very unique and well-referenced line that I'm sure most of you have heard this before, but are you guys familiar with the line, it's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all? So it actually comes from verse uh, 27, I believe. <laughs> yeah, I think it's verse 27 of, of In Memoriam. Now, I'll, I'll I'll tie it back to... Nick Flynn's poem but please remember this the whole point of Tennyson writing that epic poem is he was trying to keep his friend's memory alive and the way he did it was to write about him in every single one of those poems and it got so prolific okay it got so grand that eventually that poem that entire poem right the epic poem like all of the 80 st- all of the 80 poems that he wrote about his friend turns out that he was actually trying to immortalize his friend and not only that but resurrect him from the dead obviously this is a metaphorical type of resurrection but that's what makes that that epic poem so epic because he was in literature Right in literary form, he was trying to resurrect his friend from the dead, so that every time he read his own work, right, every time he read those poems, he would actually be having a conversation about his with his friend. Is that amazing? So, how does this? uh, Sorry, somebody's asking about my PhD. It's uh, in communication and information design. So. But I have some English degrees in my undergrad and uh, master's, but my PhD is in communication information design. So, where I was going with this is that Nick Flynn's poem, okay, which was written much, much later, right? Uh, I would say about 2000, I think this one was written in 2004 ish, five ish. Let's just say 2005, around there. And Nick Flynn. I don't know if you guys listen to the poem very well, but check this check this line out, Really, Check this out one more time so um, Let's see He says He says What to say it is night and it's snowing and starlings fill the trees above us so many it seems the leaves sing I can't see them until they rise together at the sudden hidden signal and hold the shape of the tree for a moment before scattering. I wait for his breath to lift his blanket so I know he's alive. Letting the story settle into the shape of this city, three girls in one park begin to sing something holy. And then, right at the very end, listen to this line, right at the very end, He says From my roof I can see the East River. It looks blackened with oil but it's only the light. Even now my father is asleep somewhere. If I followed the river north I could reach him. It's sounds like Give me one second here. Sorry, I have to check this out. One second. (laughs) Okay, so coming back to the start. Sorry, I was getting some messages. (laughs) I was trying to figure out what's going on. All right, so here, Nick, okay the poet Nick Flynn, he actually says at the beginning of the poem, he says, my father is ink falling in tiny blossoms. So right off the bat, right? So right at the beginning of the poem, he already tells us from the beginning, he tells us that I'm writing about my dad. I'm writing about my father. My father is no longer alive in our reality. But in this poem right now, My father is ink falling in tiny blossoms, a bottle wrapped in a paper bag. I want to believe that if I get the story right, we will rise newly formed. So here he is actually wrestling with his own thoughts about this idea of like resurrecting somebody that no longer is existing in the present. And therefore, when you transfer, right, when you transcend, right, into the paper, right? Or in this case, he probably wrote it on a typewriter, I suppose, or maybe even a computer, I'm not sure. But you're transferring someone's lively life, right? Is their essence into paper form, right? Into textual form. So even he is like sort of struggling with the belief that you can immortalize somebody and obviously like surpass death If you can transfer them into textual form so even he is struggling with that right because he says i want to believe that if i get the story right we will rise newly formed sorry somebody's asking some question uh i wrote the intro cool that sounds awesome yeah i would love to chat with you about that if you like. I mean, if you want to share that with me. Um, Ms. Soup. Um, that's an interesting username. But yeah, that sounds like a cool thesis. I would love to know more about it. That would be awesome. And uh, Juanita, yes, I did get a haircut. <laughs> Y'all, don't distract me from the the, <laughs> the poll. <poem. laughs> it's fine if you do. It's fine. But anyway, so, we're almost getting to the... We're almost going to... Re- We're almost done with this poem, okay? But I just want to say one important thing here. You know, even if someone physically isn't alive anymore, even if we can't, like, hug them, we can't see them, right? In physical form, right? Material form. The poem itself, even as an art form, by the way, poetry has a very unique art form. It has it's very different from painting. It's very different from sculpture. Right. It's very different from architecture. It's very different from every other art forms. Poetry itself has a very unique practice, which is this idea of in the making. So those of you who've been following me for a while, you probably got bored of me saying this by now. But I seriously encourage everybody here to look up the etymology. Okay. Etymology means like the history and the study of the root words, right? The, the, the words, but looking at the root, right? And if you study the etymology of poetry, you'll find that it's actually a Greek word for poesis. And poesis is actually, uh, the way we translate it now is making, right? So like, like I-N-G, not made not being made, but it's making. So it's like present and it's constantly being made. So do you see how this is very, it parallels how we are as human beings, how we live our lives? Because we might think that our current state of being is like as is, right? Like, Like we don't really like see our own growth We don't really see our own transformation we don't really see like an immediate change right whether it's biological or if it's an emotional level or obviously in other forms right other um, variables other attributes but we are constantly being in the making and if you're interested in this concept of being and time I recommend another German philosopher, his name is Martin Heidegger. And he wrote a huge book called Being and Time. It is one of the most complicated philosophical points of view that you'll ever come across. But I guarantee you, that if you spend enough time in that book, you will understand and appreciate what it means to be, right? Not not just to be, but like being right as a being as a human being that is being right there's a reason why we we call ourselves in the scientific form right like homo sapiens right but but once again in sort of more concurrent terms right it's human beings right so it's it's the word being it's not a static form right it's not stasis if you don't know what stasis means look that up as well right so stasis is like You sort of like, you you think that you're sort of like in the middle between two points of view, right? Um, But if you break the word stasis down even more, you'll find out that it's you know this is where we get the root for for stadium, right? So stadium or stance, but (laughs) the actual act of being in stasis, you're actually like looking over, right? You're like looking ahead. It's the same idea as a person that's. Uh, on top of a a sailboat mast, right? So they're in stasis because they can see ahead. So that person is vital to the uh, destination, right? The voyage itself, because if we don't have an overlooker, right? If we don't have somebody that's in stasis, then they're going to be able, they're most likely or the likelihood of them crashing into something, right? Like a coral reef or something. um, It will be greatly, will be very high, right? So... (laughs) So, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Yes, so stasis, right? So like, poesis, being, poesis, and um, this idea of everlasting. So, that's why Nick Flynn decided to write this poem, as a way of immortalizing his dad. The way he describes his dad, the way he remembers his dad, the way he even treats his dad. Even in the poem itself, we get this sense that his dad is in this river of ink. So there's like a constant flow, a constant movement. And sort of the part that sort of gets me right emotionally at least is when Nick at the end he says, Even now, my father is asleep somewhere. if I followed the river north, I could still reach him. so this is probably the most poetic form of saying. That he misses his father. He misses him so much that he's willing to follow this seamlessly never-ending river of ink just so he can fill the pages with his memory. It's amazing what a father, what type of influence a father has on his children and speaking from personal experience, I had to learn what it means to be a a father. When I was very young, I was not ready to be a father, (laughs) I was nervous as heck, I did not know the first thing about what it what it's like to be a dad. Obviously I have a dad, but I just don't know what it means to actually like be responsible for a, a child. The best memory that I will ever have of my son, and I have plenty, okay? It's not like it can't be replaced but this one is absolutely my best memory of my own boy i remember the ten, the first 10 minutes when he was born he was crying and just relentlessly and of course the nurses took him you know make sure that All his vitals were normal, everything was going well, right? Standard procedure. And when they were weighing him, he was still crying. And I said, well, I'm not going to say what my son's name is, but I, I called out his name. I said his name once. And my boy was quiet he recognized my voice (laughs) what a beautiful beautiful precious gift it is to have life what an amazing trait it is for us as human beings to have that capability of creating life it is absolutely precious absolutely precious and yes there's probably situations where it's probably not pleasant but in the end it's life and so I'll never forget that. And even to this day, my boy can tell when I'm happy, when I'm serious, when I'm upset. Just by my voice, right? It's pretty amazing. (laughs) So, I think Nick, the poet himself, felt this from his own dad. Which is why he was trying to keep him in memory through a poem, right? Miss Soup. Feels like you're in hypnotic induction. I don't know if that's a compliment, but I hope you'll be okay. Maybe, uh, go for a walk or something, I'm not sure. Or herbal tea. (laughs) Anyway, there you go. That's poem number one. And I'm looking forward to reading another great poem about fatherhood. So great. So great. Alright. Did you know that... W.S. Merwin. If you don't know who W.S. Merwin is, he's another great poet, but he was actually one of the main translators of Pablo Neruda. Pablo Neruda is a Chilean poet. He won the Nobel in 1963? Four? Five? <laughs> 1960s. And, um, <clears throat> well, translating Any language into another language is always, always difficult. But, in my experience, and in my, obviously, my own opinion, W.S. Merwin did an amazing job of translating Pablo Neruda's work. Hands down, this guy got Pablo Neruda to the T in terms of, like, just, like, exact essential understanding of Neruda's work into English and so I want to read a poem by W.S. Merwin who wrote about his dad and I think you'll enjoy this one, this one's very pleasant actually you ready? sorry, that was my dog uh, let's see any more comments? let's see, uh, Ms. Soup says yes. I think it's music and subject. gotcha, alright you want me to change the background music if you want? Cami! Cami. Y'all, say hi to Cami. She's from Norway. But technically, she's not in Norway right now. <laughs> but uh, she's still Norwegian. Anyway, thanks for being here, Cami. Hope you're doing well. You said, I still think that poems are most beautiful in original language. Yeah, I agree. They definitely are. All right, so here we go. This is William Stanley Mer- Merwin, who is uh, an American, by the way, and uh, grew up. And lived in New York for a long time. All right. All right, here we go. So, this one is titled Yesterday. My friends say. Sorry, I gotta start that again. <laughs> here we go. Sorry about that. Here we go. My friends... <sighs> okay, here we go. We'll do this in five... five seconds, right? Five... four... My friend says... I was not a good son. You understand, I say yes. I understand. He says, I did not go to see my parents very often. You know? And I say, Yes, I know. Even when I was living in the same city, he says, maybe I would go there once a month or maybe even less. I say, oh, yes. He says, the last time I went to see my father. I say, the last time I saw my father. He says, the last time I saw my father, he was asking me about my life how I was making out, and he went into the next room to get something to give me. Oh, I say, feeling again the cold of my father's hand the last time, he says, and my father turned in the doorway and saw me look at my wristwatch. And he said, you know, I would like you to stay and talk with me. Oh yes, I say, but if you are busy, he said, I don't want you to feel that way. I don't want you to feel that you have to, just because I'm here. I say nothing. He says, my father said, maybe. You have important work you are doing, or maybe you should be doing and seeing somebody I don't want it to keep you. I look out the window. My friend is older than I am. He says, and I told my father it was so, and I got up and left him. Left him then, you know. Though there was nothing I had to go and nothing I had to do. Thanks for the compliment, Cami. Appreciate it. Um, So, even here's what's interesting about this poem. In terms of like word choice, it's really not that difficult. It's pretty, pretty simple in terms of word choices. But the syntax, okay? Syntax means like the sentence structure. The syntax is so complicated. (laughs) Because every time the poet says, I say, or every time he said every time the poet says he says there's an interruption so every time like the poet writes he says or i say it's an interruption in the thought it's an interruption of the thought process you see what's happening here is that like the poet is basically trying to give us an illustration of what it means to not spend enough quality time with your father in this case his father for whatever reason he just didn't really spend a lot of time with him we don't know all the details but we one little detail that was shared was that he just was busy you know living his life right pursuing a woman or something else right just you know making a living basically but he had to find out about his father's well being through a friend. And so it's like, it was sort of like a tag team, right? Like, oh, how's my father doing? And then his friend would say, well, he's doing well and he wants to know how you're doing. And so, like, his friend actually is sort of like the mediator. <laughs> but it gets complicated because we don't really have this connect. Connection, direct connection between the son and the father. And so he does an, a really simple job, but a, but a good job, right? An amazing job of showing us the interruption of that thought, right? Of the memory that he has about his father. Right? He's not complaining. He's not blaming anybody. Not even himself, actually. But instead he's just showing us the complicatedness right the complexity of knowing about your own family member through an acquaintance right a friend and so every t- once again every time in the poem you hear the word i say or he says there's an there's an interruption of of thought there's an interruption of a complete sentence we don't get that com- that complete sentence like It was difficult for me to actually read this in a way that seemed very natural but it's not it's not natural that's the point it's not natural to be connected to somebody through an acquaintance (laughs) that's the whole point if you want to stay connected with somebody then you need to like directly speak to them instead of using a mediator right instead of using a friend like you need to spend that time with that person you need to Ask those questions. You need to hear those questions. You need to be there when he asks you questions. Because the importance of fatherhood is to be present. The importance of fatherhood is to be there. That's what fatherhood implies. Right? You're not just being a dad, but you're being present. Right, which is where we get the word hood, right? Fatherhood. Neighborhood. You understand? Like, that second compound word is implying an actual, like, present, right? Presence. You have to be in that vicinity. Otherwise... You're going to run into this complicatedness. Complication. Everybody understand? Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Some people are writing. We are touching. Dang! Muchas gracias. Gracias. Muchas gracias. Eh, A ver. Señorita Cubana. Muchas gracias por... Oh! Oh! It's, uh, um, Harold. Harold. Harold, I'm so glad you're here, man. <laughs> it's good to see you. So glad you're here. Bienvenidos, bienvenidos. Thanks, thank you so much for the for the gift. Uh, Cami says, reminds me of my favorite poem, If Right, by Rudyard Kipling. Yeah, that's a great poem. I was tempted to read it tonight, but I just, I don't know. Uh, let's see. La Bella Donna. She says, look. Dreaming of Tuscany. You want me to read that? Oh, maybe a little bit later, okay? Is that okay? And let's see, what else? uh Miss Soup says Does he want an intimate relationship or just feels bad he doesn't have one? Well, that's a great question, by the way. Uh una gran abrazo para ti, Harold. Thank you so much. Muchas gracias. So uh, Ms. Soup actually asked uh, the question, "Does the poet or the, ri- the speaker of the poem, does he want an intimate or relationship or just feels bad that he doesn't have one?" That's a great question, And honestly, like there's really no we, there's no consensus. Like we don't really in the poem itself, there's no clue. there's no indication that it's necessarily bad. But is, we don't really get the feeling that he's that guilty. But maybe you could make the argument. Because look, the, the last two lines in the poem, it says, Though there was nowhere I had to go, and nothing I had to do. So, he I think he does want to connect with his dad. And in some ways, he was trying to connect with his dad. Right. Because, I mean, he kept asking his friend how his father is and he kept finding out from his friend how his father is. (laughs) But what he doesn't realize is that. Oh, oh, one last thing, one last thing before I conclude with the the message here. So keep in mind, his father didn't want to interrupt his son's life. Right. So like he was saying, you probably have better things to do. Right. You probably have to, you know, Love your woman, pursue her, right? Et cetera, et cetera. Spend time with her and and make your living, right? So even his father actually said that, right? So it's it's, uh, towards the end, he says, you have important work you are doing, or maybe you should be seeing somebody. I don't know. I don't want to keep you. His father was saying that, right? Once again, through his friend. He wanted his friend to, he was telling his friend to tell him, his son, I don't want you to come see me because I don't want you. To, I don't want to keep you from your daily life, from your woman, from your work, right? So it's not like he. It's not like his son didn't try to like. Connect with his dad. He was trying to connect with his dad. And of course, as a dad, you not, want nothing but the best for your son. So like, you don't need to watch over me. You don't need to worry about me. I want you to live your life, man. I want you to like pursue the woman that you want to pursue. I want you to like do those things that make you happy. Right? Let's see. Harold says, I think he is beginning to feel comfortable with loving himself first. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think there's some clues for that for sure. I can definitely see that for sure. But one thing is certain, uh, and I'll say what it is after. So Miss Soup says, so maybe the dad establishes the level of intimacy by doing that. And then you say, ugh, humans. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. All of this. Oh, wait, and Cami says, watch symbolism of time, valuable time. Uh, one had plenty of, and the other maybe not. Yeah, I mean, so let me, these are great uh, insights, by the way. All, all y'all, right? All three of you that have been offering their perspectives. This is great insight, great insight. But here's something that we're overlooking, okay? and I've mentioned this already, it's the friend. You see, the friend is kind of like the mediator. And in some ways, the friend was sort of like the glue for the father and the son. Even though both of these guys were trying to connect to each other, each one was sort of like, like, the father didn't want his son to like, waste his time on him, right? Because he, he, obviously he cares for him. So he doesn't, he feels guilty that, you know, he has to waste his time on him. And then the son, of course, wants to obey and honor his dad. So therefore, he'll listen to his dad. If he does, if his dad says, hey, don't waste your time on me, because I want you to, you know, go pursue your career and your woman, blah, blah, blah. So of course, as a son, you'll like, obey that, right? So he's being a good son. But the one factor that we keep skipping around is the the friend, right? Like the friend himself was sort of like, The one that was like trying to bridge that gap. And so we don't really get a sense that like, you know, that this is hopeless. But at the same time, we don't really get a a sense that, you know, things are going to be better. (laughs) But the point is like, there's a friend here. And every time... There seems to be a connection happening. It gets lost in that transference, right? In that in that act of communication, because the friend becomes an obstacle. Even if the friend didn't want to be an obstacle, they they created the friend to be an obstacle unnecessarily. Uh, let's see. That's right. Very good. Well done. It's an alter ego. That's exactly it is. What it is. They both created the same exact ego alter ego. That's it. Well done. That's how they stay connected. Isn't that isn't that strange, right? But also pretty cool. <laughs> I don't recommend that, by the way, okay? If you're going to be spending some time with, like, dear friends and close people that you want to spend time with, like, just just do it. Just go spend time with them. Go and, like, adjust your agenda, whatever it is. Just, like, look at your calendar and just say, you know what? Screw it. I don't care what I'm doing next week. I'm going to go and, like, spend time with... With my dad or, you know, your loved one. Period. Uh, When was this written? This was written in 1983-ish. 1980s. This is by W.S. Merwin. By the way, W.S. Merwin died in 2019, so fairly recently. An absolute gem of of a gentleman. And... Just a very prolific writer and and thinker and one of the best translators I've ever, ever read from him. He's an awesome translator of Spanish, also of Greek, French, Italian. Just an amazing, amazing gentleman. So, but we don't hear about him in the news, but that's okay. Those who know, know, right? All right. Uh, Let's see. Harold says strange, cool, but very sad. Yeah, real, very real, sadly. Yeah, that's right. Cami says polyglot. Like, you mean the relationship between the the son and the father? Perhaps. I mean, it's definitely a possibility, I guess. Oh, you mean uh, W.S. Merwin? Sorry. (laughs) W.S. Merwin, yes. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Harold says his goddaughter was my classmate. What? What? Harold. Are you serious, man? (laughs) I want to talk to you. (laughs) That's amazing, man. That's cool. Um, what was she like? Just out of curiosity, was she like a was she a gentle woman? Like, was she a lady or like, or or wild? I don't know. (laughs) This is fascinating, man. This is so cool. I'm glad you're here, man. Gwen is gem. Wow. That is awesome. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm definitely going to be uh, DMing you, man. I want to know more about this. Um, this this Gret- or did you say goddaughter? I want to know about this goddaughter. Gwen. That's amazing. <laughs> um, shoot. Let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. All right, we'll do one more fatherhood poem, and then I'll take some requests. All right, so those of you who've been asking for some poems to be read this evening, uh, just hold on for just one more poem, and then and then we'll we'll get to them. All right, so okay, I'm gonna read one more, and this is by this one's actually a little bit long, and it is by E. E. Cummings. This was written, I want to say, 60s, 50s, around there. Uh, Wait, not 60s. No, no, no. I want to say like 1950s. So it was a little bit before his death, uh, which was in 1962. Anyway. Um... Here it is. So this is E.E. Cummings. The title is My Father Moved Through Dooms of Love. Y'all ready? We're gonna start in five. My father moved through dooms of love Through sames of an M Through halves of give Sinking each morning out of each night my father moved through the depths of height. This motionless, forgetful wear turned at his glance to shining here, that if so timid air is firm, under his eyes would stir and squirm. Newly as from unburied which floats the first who, His April touch drove sleeping cells to swarm their fates, Woke dreamers to their ghostly roots. And should some why completely weep, My father's fingers brought her sleep, Vainly no smallest voice might cry, For he could feel the mountains grow. Lifting the valleys of the sea, My father moved through griefs of joy. Praising a forehead called the moon, Singing desire into begin. Joy was his song, And joy so pure, A heart of star by him could steer, And pure so now, And now so yes. The wrists of twilight would rejoice. Keen as midsummer's keen beyond, Conceiving mind of sun will stand, So strictly, over utmost him, So hugely, stood my father's dream. His flesh was flesh, his blood was blood, No hungry man but wished him food. No cripple wouldn't creep one mile uphill To only see him smile. Scorning the pomp of must and shall, My father moved through dooms of feel. His anger was as right as rain, His pity was as green as grain. Septembering arms of year extend, less humbly wealth to foe and friend, Then he, too foolish and too wise, Offered immeasurable, is. Proudly and by Octobering flame beckoned, As earth will downward climb, So naked for immortal work, His shoulders marched against the dark. His sorrow was as true as bread, No liar looked him in the head, If every friend became his foe, He'd laugh and build a world with snow. My father moved through days of we, Singing each new leaf out of each tree, And every child was sure that spring danced, When she heard my father sing. Then let men kill which cannot share, Let blood and flesh be mud and mire, Scheming imagine, passion willed. Freedom, a drug that's brought and sold. Giving to steal and cruel kind, A heart to fear, to doubt a mind, To differ, a disease of same Conform the pinnacle of am. Though dull were all, we taste as bright, Bitter all, utterly things sweet, magadu minus and dumb death, All we inherit, all bequeath, and nothing quite so least a truth. I say, though hate were why men breathe, because my father lived his soul, love is the whole and more than all. Look, y'all. I know there's some families out there and I'm sure some of you guys on this live right now have had some really really negative experiences with some dads and I'm so sorry that that was probably you. But I want to speak about good dads. Good dads are not just good, they're great and what makes them great is that they lead their families. They nurture their families. They protect their families. They provide for their families. Whenever they're dead tired, at the end of the day, from whatever job they do, they want to make time just for you. Why? Because you are his blood. You are his Kind. What he does right now is for your benefit. Sometimes it'll be uncomfortable, and sometimes it'll be as smooth as an ice rink or baby's butt. Whatever you want analogy <laughs> there. But one thing's for sure. Every child needs a dad. They love you, and many times unconditionally. You may not see it right away, but trust me, on their deathbed, What brings them peace, the moment that they pass away, is knowing if their son or daughter is at peace. They were ready to go. That is the biggest smile on their face. That is a life fulfilled. He doesn't care about his success, he doesn't care about his materiality, he doesn't care what car he drives, he doesn't care what food he eats. At the end, he only cares about his family, about his children, about his, about his lady, or his companion. there are way too there's too much evidence right now in the united states and i'm speaking from a scholar sh- scholar's perspective okay there's too much evidence right now and i'll recommend one of the most prolific scholars right now in the united states that you can look up his material and i recommend reading his articles and let me make sure i got the name right one second Yes, so his name is Vincent Waldron. Vincent Waldron. This man is one of the most prolific scholars on fatherhood communication in the United States. And he will show you in his research studies that children that don't grow up with fathers have a very, very high risk of becoming criminals of incurring self-inflicted wounds and so many other sad statistics so dads are important in a child's life in his family's life. They may not have the best personalities in times, you know, depending on what type of personality your dad has. It doesn't matter. Like I said, he doesn't care about wealth, he doesn't care about, you know, even his own health. Because in the end, on his deathbed, he just wants to know, are his children, is his family okay? and he will die in peace. I guarantee you. Without sharing too much detail, I'm currently going through a very, very similar experience right now with my own dad. My dad's fine, he's healthy, but he's getting up in years. And recently in this trip that he was with, he spent a month with me. There's been some topics that were mentioned that related that was regarding my brothers and I. And my dad is such a gracious man. I had a hard time understanding why he couldn't see things to benefit himself rather than his children. And I actually got upset. I, was, I, got, I, I, I actually got upset. I got upset because... Uh, in, you know, in a respectful way. I got upset because... I wanted my dad to see that, like, you, dad, deserve. You need. You deserve to like just be chill and just do whatever it is that you want to do with your life right now. Because if you want to like travel to some remote island just because you just want to, I want you to do it, and I'll help you, and I'll pay for your tickets and everything. Do it, dad. Just don't stop worrying about us. Like, that's, that's how I was upset, because he, he constantly was thinking about us. He was like, no, 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 you know, I want to, you know, make sure that, you know, the finances, like, some of that stuff goes to y'all and all that stuff. And I was like, Dad, stop. You provided the best gift for all of us, which is you being a loving father. And gave us so much opportunities You know, and so Dad, you deserve everything right now. Just go, go travel, go whatever, go, go meet people. just don't worry. So to all the good dads out there, the people that you know, people that you don't know, I want you to say a thankful prayer for them. And if you get a chance to talk to them one of these days, give them a big, big hug. You don't have to explain why. They'll know. (laughs) Hands down, they will know. And give them a ridiculous big kiss. You don't have to explain why. They'll know. Sorry, um Ms. Soup about your grandfather. I hope everything will be okay. And thank you, Harold, for sharing your comments as well. Appreciate it very much. Always do. And also to Cami, thank you for sharing as well. As we say in Spanish, I have nothing but a great big hug for you. And, you know, obviously we're speaking virtual here, but I hope you find some comfort in some of these words that I've been sharing. And just by you know, just these small interactions that we've had, you're a pretty cool guy, man. So appreciate you very much, and I appreciate the rest of y'all, those of you who've been saying some really kind words. But once again, let's let's help, let's keep our great dads in mind. And the next time you see them, just just hold on to them. Just, like, hug them. They'll absolutely love it. Alright, y'all. I am open now for any requests. I hope that you enjoyed these poems about fatherhood. I have much more information that I can share, but I'll just wait for another live to talk about that. But yeah, I want to open up the floor now and see if anybody wants a request. Let's see. Uh, we have some comments here. Um, one second, one second, one second. Carmen says, beautiful, my dad is 92. Wow. 92 with dementia. I wish we yeah, that is tough. I'm really sorry about that. But I would like to believe that if you just sat in the room with him, I don't know. I really don't want to overstep my boundaries here, but you never know. Maybe just sitting in the room, maybe they'll, maybe they know you're there and, and appreciate it, you know? But um, yeah, great big hug to you. Yeah, yeah, and Harold says as as I do, all of you, we are in this universe together. That's right, we are in this universe together for sure. Yes, beautiful indeed. Thank you. Oh, I'm so sorry, Denise. Yeah, your dad passed away when you were when you were eight. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I'm really sorry about that. That's that's really tough. Um, maybe you can talk to some family members and just like maybe get to know your dad through your family members. You know, people that were close to him. Um, that's how I found out about about my my um, um, my grandmother on my on my mom's side. I never got to meet her. But I just asked around. So, I don't know. Maybe it might be something you might want to do. Let's see. Deanna says, do you have a favorite by... Oh, yeah. Uh, Edna, St. Vincent. Uh, yeah, I think we can work something out here. Let's see. Oh, man. Diana, you're... Did you mean your husband's dad? I believe... I I, I hope you meant that. Alright, we're getting some requests here. Let's see. Mr. Bobby Hall. Uh, I remember it was in the bleak December. Uh, might be John... Might be John Dunn, I think. All right. I just want to read these comments before I get started on the request by oh man I forgot there, oh by Diana. yeah, by Diana. My dad is such a special person I wish I grew up with him yeah yeah my heart goes out to you as well miss soup it was Poe, okay All right, cool. So let me do the Edna St. Vincent um, poem and then we'll do the Poe poem. Is that cool? All right, let's see. I'm going to do first fake. I'm going to do. Oh man, it's kind of short. I was going to do first fake by Edna, but it's a little bit short. (laughs) One second. But I like the short ones. (laughs) All right, one second, one second. Let's see, maybe. Oh, I think I know what you like. I think, I think you want the, I think, you know, I know what you like, one second. Oh, look, Cammy says Poe is my favorite here too. I made a drawing of him actually. That's amazing. I wish there was a way you could, like, show, people could show stuff, you know? That sounds really cool coming. Alright, this one is titled What My Lips Have Kissed and Where and Why by Edna St. Vincent (laughs) Millay. Ready? Here we go. I'm going to take a drink of water, and then we'll get started. What lips my lips have kissed? And where? And why? I have forgotten. And what arms have lain under my head? till morning, but the rain is full of ghosts tonight that tap and sigh upon the glass and listen for reply, and in my heart there stirs a quiet pain for unremembered lads that not again will turn to me at midnight with a cry. Thus in the winter stands a lonely tree, nor knows what birds have vanished one by one, yet know its boughs more silent than before, I cannot say what loves have come and gone, I only know that summer sang in me, a little while. That in me sings no more. So, that is What Lips Have Kissed and Where and Why by Edna St. Vincent Melay. Good choice. Well done. Yes. It's amazing what a kiss can do memories imprints in our minds. And though we try not to compare, at least publicly, we sometimes do. <laughs> right? It's like you remember the good kisses. Don't tell me you don't. You remember the good kisses. And even though you don't like purposely like you don't on purpose compare it with other people that you've kissed you still know which one was better <laughs> once again don't tell me you don't do that it's okay to do that by the way I have great memories of some wonderful kisses truly awesome kisses I remember the setting I remember the time I remember what we talked about before and after I remember her It was amazing <laughs> shout out from Bowling Green Kentucky man I haven't been to Kentucky in a long time long time but welcome mr. oh wait Johnette miss Miss Johnette oh, pardon me. Bobby says, "Ooh la la." That's right. Bobby, you you look like a a guy that's been and that's had good kisses. So, I should be saying "Ooh la la" to you, man. <laughs> um, let's see, let's see. Good kiss. Oh, oh yeah, Edgar Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, by the way, the person that, re- oh, Bobby, you requested Edgar Allan Poe. Is there a particular poem, by the way? What's a poem you like, man? Come on. Unless you want me to recommend one to you. Janetta. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Cami says, I will publish the video of Poe. Yes, please do. Y'all, you need to check out Cami's page. She has some wonderful, wonderful drawings. And she's a very intellectual woman. Very, very bright. So, she won't admit it. But um, but she's a very intelligent woman. So check out her page for sure all right mr bobby no no please don't too late i did it all right seriously bobby what is there a poem you want me to read man you want me to give you one so that you can read one to your lady or companion sorry Juanita says, sorry if I'm quiet. Gone, unless ingredients M. Are you cooking, Juanita? Ah, your lady. Alright, alright. I got you, man. I got you. Ladies, ladies. Which one should I read for Mr. Bobby so that he can read to his lovely wife? Should we do Annabelle Lee? That seems to be a popular one. Or... Should we do... Um Sorry, I'm trying to think of a another good one here. Alone? Hmm, that one's a little sad. I really love the one that's titled To One in Paradise, but it's a little bit sad. Uh yeah, the Raven's good, but you don't want to read that to your to your lady man. Seriously, you don't you don't wanna read that to, to your wife? Read something night like, like let's just do Annabelle Lee. Can we do Annabelle Lee? I know Harold likes it. Harold, you're still here? I know you like Annabelle Lee. Let's do that one. Ready? Here we go. All right, Bobby, this is for you, man. All right, you got to read this to to your lovely wife. Annabelle Lee by Edgar Allan Poe. It was many and many a year ago in a kingdom by the sea that a maiden there lived whom you may know by the name of Annabelle Lee. And this maiden she lived with no other thought than to love and be loved by me. I was a child and she was a child in this kingdom by the sea. But we loved with a love that was more than love, I and my Annabel Lee with a love that winged seraphs of heaven coveted her and me. And this was the reason that, long ago, in this kingdom by the sea, a wind blew out of a cold, chilling, my beautiful Annabelle Lee, so that her highborn kinsmen came. And bore her away from me to shut her up in a sepulchre in this kingdom by the sea. The angels, not half so happy in heaven, went envying her and me. Yes, that was the reason, as all men know in this kingdom by the sea, that the wind came out of the cloudy, of the cloud by night. Chilling and killing my Annabelle Lee. But our love, it was stronger by far, Than the love of those who were older than we, Of many a far wiser than we, And neither the angels in heaven above, Nor the demons down under the sea, Can ever dissever my soul From the soul of the beautiful Annabelle Lee. For the moon never beams without bringing me dreams of the beautiful Annabel Lee. And the stars never rise, but I feel the bright eyes of the beautiful Annabel Lee. And so all the night-tide I lie down by the sea of my darling, my darling, my life and my bride. In her sepulcher there, by the sea. In her tomb. By the sounding sea. Don't let anyone fool you in thinking that Edgar Allan Poe wasn't a sentimentalist. Most people talk about his sort of darker narratives, but this man was absolutely a romantic. He knew what it meant to pursue a woman. To fall in love with her. And to even feel her from the grave. I picture this man just sitting next to her tomb. And talking to her. And in some sense maybe even waiting for some type of rose or flower to spring from her tomb as a sign that she was reaching out to him. This guy knew what it means to be loved and to love a woman. And even though most people won't recognize it, he was absolutely filled with so much love, so much Passion, an absolute gem of a poem absolute gem I hope you all enjoyed it great selection that was for you Mr. Bobby seriously you gotta read that to your lady like read it to her just like say girl sit on the couch with me I wanna read you something Of course you will be like, but Bobby, that's unusual of you, just don't pay attention to that, just sit down, chill, have a glass of wine, and say, hey, baby, get ready, I'm going to read you something. This is how I feel about you. And begin. You're welcome. <laughs> Sweet. Great suggestion. All right. Any other requests? Any other requests? Cami says, I think we all did. Oh, La Bella Donna says, My life of you life seemed to me turcato tasso. All right, let's see. Okay, this is for this is for La Bella Donna. Grazie. Alright, so this is by the Italian Turcato Tasso, who is, grew up in Naples, Italia. In Napoli. It's a very old poem by the way. This was like back in like the fifteen hundreds. And this is what he wrote. Life of my life. You seem to me like some pallid olive tree. Or the faded rose I see. Nor do you lack beauty. But pleasing in every way to me. In shyness or in flattery. Whether you follow me or flee. Consume, destroy me softly. Don't you like that line? Oh, thanks Bobby. Appreciate the gift, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it very much. Bella Donna. Eh, Great choice. Muito bene, muito bene. Um... Don't you love that last line, though? It's like, whether you follow me or flee, consume, destroy me softly. Right? Like, destroy me softly. Like, well, there's a... She's not in this life, but um, there was someone that I was interested in. And, like, you know, I was very much interested in her. Anyway, something happened. I don't know what it was. I really don't know. But... um just, it was kind of, it's kind of stung, you know what I mean, like, it kind of stung, I was like, man, it's too bad, like, I wish we would have kept talking, but, but I felt like, she like, I was kind of destroyed softly, you know, I mean, not totally destroyed, I'm fine, really, I'm fine, but like, I just felt like I was, it was like a, 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 like a slow, soft death, you know, it's like... (laughs) But that's, by the way, those last two lines are very Italian, like very Italian, right? So it says like, whether you follow me or flee, consume, destroy me softly. That's absolutely Italian right there, right? le bambina. It's like, you can like me or don't like me, but whether you do or not, you're going to destroy me softly, right? Because when you love me with a passion, I'm going to be... I'm gonna be destroyed softly. If you leave me with a passion, <laughs> if you leave me with with anger, you gotta just try me softly. That's okay, right? <laughs> I'm still gonna pursue you with a passion, my lady, bella donna. Right? It's still worth the risk. Isn't that crazy? Right? Yes, I understand. Women go through like some really really like hard relationship experiences and you know the whole process is probably like a headache at times. But guys have a a lot of like challenges man, like we don't know what you're thinking, we don't know what you like think of things, we would like to know but at the same time the mature ones don't because we realize like it's just not, it's never ending. I'd rather not like, (laughs) I'd rather not know honestly. (laughs) Um, And so I just kind of like leave it up to like, you know, whatever happens, right? So it's like, oh, you want to come chill with me? I'd be happy to chill with you. You know, you don't want to chill with me? Okay, that's okay. We don't have to chill. No worries. (laughs) Um. Anyway, it's worth, for me, it's worth the risk, you know, even if it's going to be a hard, it doesn't work out. I absolutely like. I cherish the memories of of pursuing uh, the woman that I was interested in, right? So it's okay. Like when you're young, you kind of think, "Oh man, you know, oh I can't get over this," and like blah blah blah, right? It's just like uh, you'll be fine, man. You'll be fine. (laughs) Um. But it's all good. It's all good. No worries. Anyway, let's move on. Good choice. Reach out anytime. Hope you and your family are doing well. And that you are also enjoying life. Alright? Have a great week. Have a great night. And as we say in Latin America, Un gran abrazo para ti. Quizás no un beso, pero un abrazo. (laughs) And buenas noches. Auf Wiedersehen. Goodbye. Au revoir. Salam alaikum. Adios. Que tengan un gran descanso. Have a great evening. Rest well. And hopefully we'll see you again. Alright, everybody? Cool! Alright, this was fun. Once again, go check out the Spotify podcast. It'll be alright. You're gonna love it. And good night to Miss Cammie. Good night! Goodbye. Bye bye.